Seeking the Middle Seat, a podcast where we explore connection where you might not think it exists. I'm your host, Andrea, and I've always believed there is connection to be made when you sit next to someone and really take in their story. So every couple of weeks or so, I'm taking the middle seat. I'm listening in on someone's story because I know that the middle seat holds healing and acceptance and laughter and community if we just stay open and remember that we belong to each other. I hope you listen to each and every episode and that you'll find yourself moving in to hear the magic in the middle seat. On this episode, episode 29, I'm talking to my friend Monica Stegeman. She is an artist and she calls her pieces Little Shrines. I find an artist's process to be so interesting, and so I was excited to hear Monica's story. She did not disappoint. She describes her art as found object assemblage. In my conversation, Monica talks about how she's always been an artist, even in childhood, from coloring with crayons to collecting beautiful treasures in her safe space, which was her bedroom closet, to finding her confidence as a working artist, from creating one-of-a-kind valentines to helping people heal through her found object art. You'll hear how Monica has gone on a journey with her art and how she's now ready to invite you to do the same. Monica says, today my shrines are out of my closet and lit from within. They are kindled with my longing to give credence to feelings and needs. They're a quest for order and meaning. I just love that. You can see some of Monica's pieces on her website, and I've linked to the website in the show notes. Of course, I know you'll be impacted just by looking at them. I invite you to pause when you look at each piece and really pay attention to each and every item that's in the piece. There's so much depth there and things to explore. Collage and found objects have always captured my attention and I know they will with you as well. Monica has created a space in her home to host workshops. You guys, the energy in that space is so peaceful and full of possibility. We actually recorded in that space and she has bins and boxes and buckets and shelves of found objects. They were all around us. There's game pieces and craft items and figurines. And my personal favorite, random doll parts. It is like a playground for processing and healing and creativity. So follow her to sign up for those workshops. Monica's Instagram and Facebook pages are linked in the show notes. And that is where you will find all of her information. You can also contact Monica to commission a piece just for you. She talks about that process as well in our interview. I want to take a quick little detour in the intro here to acknowledge Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. as today is the day we honor and celebrate him. And I don't think there's a perfect way to honor his work and memory, but I want to say that one way you could consider, especially if you are someone who holds privilege, and even more especially, white privilege, is to give financially to black people and movements that are continuing the work of Dr. King. I mentioned before that I love the idea of paying privilege forward, and so that's what I'm doing today. I will link to some wonderful people and businesses in the show notes, but right off the top of my head, I think of a few. Um, To start, I think of Leslie Honoré, and I am so sorry if I'm mispronouncing her name, but she is a poet that has moved me again and again with her words. She wrote a book of poetry called Fist and Fire, and it is incredible. Um, I also think of We Are Lit, the local online bookshop run by my friend Kendra. She curates a multicultural collection of books that is a perfect place to start or continue your journey of learning. I think of Lisa Renee Hall. She is an author and writer who hosts online online writing community, but she also offers talks on Instagram around topics of race and privilege. And I think of Balani Schaffner at Hold the Line Magazine. She is an incredible writer and has created this publication, I think is absolutely blazing trails. So I'll link to all of these incredible women and businesses. Go check them out, but remember the key is to give financially to them for the work they are doing. It means something when we are willing to part with our resources. 
I also want to say that, of course, my recommendations are the tip of the iceberg. Find someone online or in person that challenges you, who urges you to keep learning, who gets you to question the standards, and then pay them for that work. Okay, it's time to get back on the road to my interview with artist and seeker and teacher Monica Stegeman. So Monica, thank you so much for having me. I'm just, this is like the best day to do this because your studio is gorgeous and it's sunny, which never happens, yes. I feel like. Um, so we're sitting in your gorgeous studio and we're going to talk all about your amazing work. How are See, you doing today? Thanks for coming. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing great. Good. Uh, I love that we're sitting right by the big, huge windows. Oh. That's the main reason why... I had the addition built onto the house yeah. for the studio is to get the natural light. It's pretty great, mm -hmm. I have to say. I know why you want to spend time in this room. Yes. Because <laughs> it's so cool and you're surrounded by all your cool art and things and pieces and treasures. So I um, told people a little bit about you, but tell us, um, you know, who you are, kids, kind of where you live, just a brief intro, and then we'll go from there. Okay. Um, my name is Monica Stegeman, mm -hmm. and I, I would consider myself an artist from a very young, young age. Uh -huh. That was always uh, what made me happy, okay. made me feel grounded, and made me feel like that was why I was here. Yeah. Uh, did you I, know that at the time? Like, when do you remember knowing, like, when I do art, I feel better. When I express myself, I feel settled. Yes. Yeah. I did. And I'd say it probably started with coloring because mm -hmm. I have a real love of different combinations of colors. Yeah. So that huge crayon box yes. was a huge thing for me to be able to play around and try yes. shading with crayons where most kids were just right. trying to fill in that area yeah. flat. You were like, what else could this be? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fascinating. And were you, so we'll get into what your art entails, okay. but there's um, lots of little pieces to a lot of it. Were you always kind of a finder, like a collector, a keeper? Yes, most yeah. definitely. And that's why um, I call my work Little Shrines mm -hmm. for a very specific reason. Uh -huh. um, one is because I feel like it is a healing art for me, uh -huh. uh, this particular technique. Also, it, it plays into my childhood. Uh-huh. And so as an adult doing some counseling and healing work around trauma childhood trauma uh -huh. i realized that working with three-dimensional objects mm -hmm. was what m helped me to make sense of things so when i was a child i grew up in a catholic family uh -huh. uh, Every Sun or every Saturday, my dad would go to the Catholic store uh -huh. that sold uh, reading materials, Bibles, rosaries, um, any kind of little statues. Yeah, the little and icons. And we would yeah. go every Saturday, and he would buy little things for me: little Mary, Joseph, Jesus. Interesting. And. I had a um, quite a big closet when I was a kid, and the inside the closet, on the left hand side, I had shelves going all the way up and mm -hmm. down to the floor, mm -hmm. and I used that those shelves as my little staging area cool. for yes. all my little Marys and my Jesus statues, and uh, at the time that was also my safe place uh -huh. uh, because I my childhood was not um, I don't know what you want to say idyllic idyllic <laughs> it looked like it on yeah. the outside yeah but um, there was some uh, mental illness in my household yeah so that caused me to do a lot of uh, hiding I would say yeah hiding from not knowing what was going to happen yeah um 
So I spent a lot of time in that closet. Interesting. With these little figures. Yeah. Uh, and I knew as a child that I wanted to be an artist of some type. I didn't know what that meant mm-hmm. or how you would make a living at it. Yeah. Um, but when I graduated from high school, um, I grew up in Lansing. Uh-huh. I went to Lansing Eastern. Uh, I had a wonderful art teacher that uh, her name was Wanda Scheidler. Mm-hmm. She has since uh, passed away, but she was a great influence on me. Uh-huh. And she kind of took me under her wing. She knew what was going on uh-huh. at home. And she helped me to get the confidence to go to college, which I did yeah. not have yeah. at the time. Um, so I went to Kendall College of Design okay. here in Grand Rapids Yeah, uh, with her nudging me yeah. quite forcefully. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wanda wasn't playing. She was Wanda like, you're going. Wanda wasn't playing. She knew that I had potential. Yeah. Oh, I um, love and that. And I did not know that. Yeah. And yeah. I would say, I can't do it. Yeah. I, I'm not good enough. And she'd say, you are and you're going. Yeah. So having someone in my life like that was uh, very critical. Mm-hmm. And uh, she even contacted a third-year student that I knew from our high school and she told him you are going to watch out for her Um, Kendall (sighs) was the type of school that had no dorms Um, there wasn't any place where kids could get together and you were on your own yeah so um, I I went to Kendall not knowing what I was going to do with a career right was an illustration major, oh, which okay. uh, is two-dimensional. And I will tell you that I do not have a love of drawing. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. <laughs> I think that was more with my dad's influence. Yeah. I thought I would be able to get a job. Right. It's more practical. More practical. Yes. Well, and I wonder, and I'm sure you can speak to this, In as a young kid, I remember thinking, like, if you're a good drawer you're an artist you know you can be yes. a, if you're a, if you can draw things and paint things that's art not necessarily knowing or thinking that there's there's so much more beyond oh, that yes you know I mean, and every kid develops in a different way i yeah. had a couple really good girlfriends that love to draw little doodles and cartoons and you know one of them is yeah you know went into window dressing and yeah now she does store display mm-hmm. um but I think that I was just kind of going through the motions at Kendall. Yeah. Trying to survive. Sure. Um, and it wasn't until my senior year that I, I had a roommate who was in the design program, and she got an internship. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, how do you do that? She mm-hmm. said, well, it's recommended for all design students. But I said, well can I do that? She mm-hmm. said, just see if you can get in the program, which I did. Nice. And so I interned at Wolverine Worldwide uh-huh. in Rockford. And then after graduation, freelanced for them and then became an employee. Okay. So yeah. I ended up spending um, 20, 25 years in the business as a graphic designer. Got it. Um, met my husband mm-hmm. um, we've been married for uh, next month it'll be 19 years mm-hmm. which is amazing congratulations <laughs> yes. yes it just doesn't <laughs> seem like 19 years no I know my husband and I are married 18 years and it, it doesn't seem like that either. yes it just flies right flies uh, but he was a freelance graphic designer okay and so we kind of went back and forth between one of us freelancing one of us having a job, uh-huh. and uh, and then when we adopted our first daughter, mm-hmm. who is now 15, almost 16, mm-hmm. uh, but we adopted her as a 10-month-old baby from China, mm-hmm. uh, we decided that once we got home with her, um, she had a, some medical issues, and we said, that's it, I can't freelance anymore uh, because... I just don't know 
when she will be in the hospital. Yeah. So I stopped working. Mm -hmm. And it worked out great. Yeah. Uh, My husband worked from home. Mm -hmm. So we had two sets of eyes Mm -hmm. (laughs) watching. Um, And then about six or seven years ago, Uh he decided to go out on his own. Okay. Um, with a partner, uh-huh. and they started an ad agency okay. called Rocket Science, and that kind of threw me into a, a psychological tailspin, uh-huh. artistic tailspin as well. Interesting. Uh, because when he was here at home, I could still vicariously yeah. <laughs> pretend that I was still in the business um, we would consult each other. I would yeah. give him little help on certain projects. But once he was going to be out of the house, yeah, what was I going to do? Yeah. Like, but so, that's my thing. And it made me think, he's doing what he wants to do. Yeah. What, what really do I want to do? Yes. So let me backtrack a little bit. Yeah. Um, I told you how since I was a kid, mm-hmm. I've always express myself artistically. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have always made handmade valentines. Yes. Never missed a year. Always yeah. made valentines for everyone in my family, anyone. Like from age oh. what? Oh, like gosh. little. Little teeny. All the way. All the way. So interesting. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so this is kind of when I met you. It's okay. Yes. When we had little kids. Yes, and when kids. I was making Valentine's. Yes, yes, yes. So that was my only artistic outlet. Yeah. <laughs> once a year. Um, right. <laughs> you get to express yourself well, once a I year. Well, as I got older, through yeah. my 20s, um, I still was making them handmade. Uh-huh. But since I was in commercial art, mm-hmm. I did a lot of um, art directing, mm-hmm. commercial photo shoots. Mm-hmm. And so got to know a lot of photographers mm-hmm. and decided that... It was too hard to make these individual valentines. I'm going to put together a tabletop set mm-hmm. of objects, have my photographer friend take a shot, and then that was everyone's valentine. Yes. So I did that for a number of years. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And they were ridiculously cool. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> um, some people would say they were a little bit creepy. I, that's um, my that's my bent. So I was like, I love them. Yes. Yeah, I love them. I, I like to have unexpected things. Mm-hmm. So uh, as time went on, it I actually um, thought, you know, I want to try and get these out more so people can see them. Mm -hmm. They need more of an artistic outlet. Mm -hmm. And I had an artist suggest to me that these were so cool, but Mm -hmm. why aren't you making these into one-of-a-kind pieces of art? Mm -hmm. And that was the spark Mm -hmm. that it took. Mm -hmm. So I started on this path of um, what I call found object assemblage. Okay which means that I pull from all different um, objects. Most of them are small, Mm -hmm. hence why we say little shrines. Yes. Um, I like natural items. Um, I pull from nature, wood, um, rocks, shells. Mm -hmm. And I also really am intrigued with antique items or... um, I guess objects that have a history. Yeah. That is where then that spark started turning into a real fire. Yeah. Because as a kid, I I not only collected those little statues, but I had all Do you remember those little glass animals? Yeah. Oh, I had a ton of those. Yeah. So to me, it was like creating this little world. And you would like, I imagine, you'd move them around and arrange yes. them and then just, yeah, touch them and... And make up stories. Yes. About them. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So what I started realizing is that I could have one little item that 
I found intriguing, you know, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a little piece of jewelry mm-hmm. or a little statue or something that would remind me of childhood. And I could hold on to that for 20 years. Yeah. I can find a new item and all of a sudden I think that piece needs to go with this old piece. Yes. And then they create their own new story. Yes. So oh, that's I what love this it. is all about. That's so cool. And, uh, you know, I've had years of going through counseling. Mm-hmm. And this is what I have found has helped me work through things that are unconscious. Yeah. That's interesting. So do you tell me more about that? Like, do you feel like you start on a piece and you're like, oh, this is this is meant for me to uncover or make sense of or whatever. Like you're kind of subconsciously led to some item or something that then kind of leads you down a path that unpacks something for you. Is that kind of how it works? There's different ways Uh that this will work. Mm hmm. Sometimes it is the actual object. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it is something I'm going through that I just don't know how to articulate. Mm -hmm. And then I, and since that is on my mind, something I see will trigger something and say, this needs to be the start of a piece. Yes. And I've done many projects um, or pieces that, are deliberate yeah and many that just come out of me yeah I've done some pieces that happen in a dream yeah interesting I do some that start down a path and completely end up looking different in the end yeah Uh, but it's all for a purpose yeah and the purpose is growth Mm -hmm. and uncovering uh, things from the shadow side yeah that that want to hide yeah oh I love that so we have your art all around us do you have did you pull these pieces there's a few that are sitting next to you yes um is there one or all of them (laughs) that you want to talk about well I know it's we'll post pictures and links to your work and everything so people can kind of get a sense of what we're talking about Mm -hmm. um but talk me through one or two or all of them okay (laughs) well um I spoke of one uh, that I said came in a dream. Yeah. That's this piece. Okay. That... I just looked at this one online this morning. Okay. Yes. Uh, this is called The Depression Drips Down. Yes. And I actually made this piece. Um, it, it, the base is a cigar box. Okay. So how big would you say this like is? Like a six by shoeboxy kind of size. It's a little six smaller by than nine, that. Yeah. Probably. Um, and I put this piece together after my mom passed away. Okay. Um, There's a lot of complexity to our relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, she, like I said, she did have a mental illness. Um, she developed Alzheimer's. Okay. And had that for close to 20 years um, oh, at the gosh. end of her life. Yeah. Which helped me in a way. Yeah. To um, strip away some of that resentment um, or things that I thought she was doing on purpose, which she never was. It was the mental illness. Yeah. So this piece right here, um, everything is exactly the same as the dream, except this piece in the middle. So let me describe it visually. Yeah. Uh, There's handwritten paper that's used, I would say, as like wallpaper on the inside of the box. And that's the not your writing. Only, this is my mother's handwriting. Oh my gosh. It's it's about an inch and a half deep. Mm-hmm. Um, the handwriting is actually some lists of songs that my mother kept. We don't know why. Interesting. Um, yes. And uh, her husband gave these to me after her death. Okay. And I realized this is what I need to use as the base. Yep. Now I've cut them apart and uh, in squares and and turned them so it kind of has a quilt feel to it. Yep. Um, so the the words are distorted. You can't read like a. 
complete sentence in here. Yeah. Um, then I've got a three-dimensional cloud uh-huh. with beads that come down that look like rain. There's a butterfly that comes out of the top of the cloud. Below that cloud is a baby spoon, one of the old silver ones mm-hmm. that maybe your mother or your grandmother used mm-hmm. as a baby. I'm old enough that I had one. Oh, we did. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. I feel like it's still in the silverware drawer somewhere. Yes. Yes. And um, there's a little tiny figure within that spoon. Mm -hmm. So, and on the outside, there's a zipper. Okay. It's a black zipper that's open and it's glued onto the outside. Mm -hmm. There's a significance to this as well. Okay. Um, The only thing that's different from this than the dream is in the dream... This spoon was actually a picture, an old picture of my mother Okay. Um, from the 1940s. It was a black and white snapshot. Okay. I didn't want to make it that obvious that yep. it was her. Um, and the zipper comes from uh, an image that a counselor had um, talked to me about, and it stuck with me. Um, being the the child of a parent that has a mental illness, just like um, a parent that would have an addiction to alcohol Mm -hmm. or drugs. Um, Those kids don't learn good boundaries. Mm -hmm. So one of the uh, suggestions that my counselor had was to picture yourself in a full sleeping bag mm-hmm. where your head's inside and everything and mm-hmm. it's all zipped up mm-hmm. who has control of that zipper mm-hmm. does someone from the outside can they just open your zipper uh-huh and get in whenever they want or do you have control of the zipper mm-hmm. you get to open it mm-hmm. or keep it closed mm-hmm. and that was a big lesson for me to learn yeah yeah for sure mm-hmm. and that's a such a powerful image because i feel like you know the sleeping bag is so protective and soft and like all of that kind of lends to that that visual and that yes Yes. yeah yeah Mm -hmm. I I love 101 things about your art but um one of the things is that everyone that looks at that they don't they don't have to know that backstory right they can make their whole other interpretation of every single one of your pieces um and it could be like, well, isn't that just the most like whimsical thing they've ever seen? And leave it at that. Or it could go 20 layers deep. And yes. every time you look at your pieces, there's like this morning when I looked at it online, I didn't notice the handwriting mm-hmm. in the back of it. Um, but looking at it now, like that's really prominent, probably because we just talked about it, but also because it's just um, closer to me and, you know, more mm-hmm. more physically here. Um, and that's such a huge part of it when you look at it now. And every piece, you could look at it in a different season in your life, and it means a whole different thing. You notice something else resonates with you. I just I love that about your work. Yes, and I, yes. I describe it as... A story within a story within yeah. a story within a story. You can pick any little square inch yeah. and find one little story. Yes. Or relationship or connection. Yeah. And that can either play upon the larger story or be its own little thing. Yeah. Have you had pieces that you were working on and it was just like struggle stuck you know like that just felt really yes there are some pieces that I will just set aside yeah Um, it's not coming together I must be waiting for something yeah there's also some pieces that I did um, early on uh, I would say well I started this before we adopted our oldest Mm -hmm. and then had to stop with all of her medical issues. But mm-hmm. um, some of those pieces I've reworked mm-hmm. okay. because I'm a different person now. Yeah, yeah. My awareness, um, my depth of understanding is different. Mm-hmm. The more work I do, yeah. the more we look into those shadows, mm-hmm. the more you won't want to keep them in the shadows mm-hmm. and hidden. Mm-hmm. 
I love it. Do you, so when you were, you talked about yourself in art school and even before then, like not feeling enough, not feeling Mm -hmm. like, well, surely I'm not an artist. I just, you know, I can't possibly. Was there a time or a series of times where you felt like you could own that? Like, like even now, do you feel like, like, like now I'm legit? Definitely now because (laughs) I am being authentic. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if if you're saying I'm going to be an illustrator and you don't love that, mm-hmm. then you feel like a fake. Yeah. So I lived that way. Yeah. Uh, for a number of years because I knew I had to make a living. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know how else to do it. Mm-hmm. It it what it feels like is a spiral. You you meet a problem at one point around that circle Mm -hmm. and as you keep going up you're going to have to revisit Mm -hmm. that problem again it it doesn't go away yeah it changes and you heal in different layers um throughout that process yeah and that's one reason why i i mean i could do this all day every day yeah for myself yeah it's my practice I would call it um, my meditative practice. Yeah. Meditation in motion. Yeah. Is what it is. Uh, the actual making yes. of it. Yes. Yes. Yep. But I think that it needs to be shared. Mm-hmm. And that I have gone through pain. Mm-hmm. I know what that's like. And I can share that with others. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I'm putting myself out once again yes um to share what i've learned mm-hmm. well that's because, a good segue to how you're doing that yes um so you were i mean you have art shows and that kind of thing yes mm-hmm. um and it, it, you've done that for a while right yes I okay have. Mm-hmm. yeah and then art prize yes i've done art prize uh three times now okay yeah the last two years and then took a year off before that and did one four years ago okay and for people who don't know that's an art competition in Grand Rapids it's kind yes. of its own special snowflake yes. <laughs> its it own is. thing its own animal <laughs> that would take a whole it would. <laughs> a whole nother yeah. podcast for that yes to discuss the ins and outs of art prize but um you're it's public art so yes, yes people get to view your stuff mm-hmm. um and now you're doing what I think is incredible because I get to like have one little snippet of experience with making this type of art. Um, you are hosting workshops, right? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Talk about those and why. Well, uh, I think that someone who doesn't have uh, experience or confidence in making something uh, visually, mm-hmm. a visual piece of art, and that word art mm-hmm. can be scary for someone that doesn't have training. Mm-hmm. Um, just like a poetry thing for me would be scary because I don't have training right. in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that with a guide mm-hmm. that a person can come to some deeper understanding mm-hmm. of themselves through creating a piece of art Mm -hmm. that's not just um you know a painting that you want to put in your living room Mm -hmm. this is done for a specific reason Mm -hmm. Um, i often will look at pieces that i've created years prior Mm -hmm. and get a good sense of where was i at that point Mm -hmm. Um, the interesting thing also is I mean, I'm getting better at this the longer I do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the beginning, I would have these urges to, okay, I need to make this piece and it needs to unfold this way and it's done. Yeah. And I look at it and say, what does this mean? Yeah. I don't know what it means. Does it matter? Uh-huh. Should I care? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe a month or two later, I will look at that piece and say, I know exactly what that means now. It's yeah. things are coming out 
in a subconscious way to help guide you. Mm -hmm. And I figured that out Mm -hmm. quite a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like guideposts. Yeah. Yeah. And vision boards are great, Mm -hmm. but that also is you're looking at, you know, a lot of magazine pictures for your materials for that. Mm-hmm. Um, images are great. You're pulling f- words mm-hmm. um, for those, but your uh, conscious mind can take over mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. and say, this is who I should be. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to work really hard to meet this goal. Yeah. I see this more as um, a way to unlock your unconscious Mm -hmm. and bring forth things you weren't aware of. Yeah. Uh, So the first workshop I'm going to be offering, which is January 19th, Mm -hmm. is called um, New Year Intention Shrine. Mm -hmm. And I don't want people to be uh, scared of the word shrine. Mm -hmm. I call my work Little Shrines, um, not for a religious reason, Mm -hmm. but for... Uh, I see a shrine as just something that is important. Yeah. Where you pause and you examine this. Mm-hmm. So yeah. anything can be a shrine. Yeah. It's just and a I do many pieces. Right. Yeah. I do many pieces that have totally different themes. Mm-hmm. I've got some that are healing, mm-hmm. um, trying to heal past trauma. Some that. Uh, deal with political issues mm-hmm. that I'm trying to grapple with uh, what's happening in society. Mm-hmm. Uh, some, because of my love of music, mm-hmm. <laughs> I've done many pieces where there's like a phrase from a song that mm-hmm. just keeps going through my head. Yeah. And I think I have to put this out in a visual manner. Yeah. Yeah. And so I've done those. I've done many whimsical pieces. Mm-hmm. Some that I want to do that are just nostalgic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've also done, I did a piece after I had back surgery, mm-hmm. uh, which was 14 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, that really kind of um, made me question a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I was worried about my future, mm-hmm. my physical future mm-hmm. with that. And I made a piece about that specific time, mm-hmm. having back surgery. So that yeah. was a healing moment for me to be able to say, the surgery's done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my body is smart enough to know mm-hmm. how to heal and move forward. Mm-hmm. What do I need to do mm-hmm. to keep my body healthy yeah. now so that I can not end up in a wheelchair yeah and i love how those pieces like the individual things that are in there like you had said in the beginning have been most of them have been touched by other people they've they've had a different life they've had a different Mm -hmm. energy or whatever brought them here Mm -hmm. um then either transforms or serves the piece in some way. Like, I just love that kind of thread that, like, the each little thing has its own little trajectory to get to this shrine. Mm-hmm. You know, I, ugh, it just it makes yes, me I, I will happy. imagine things. Um, I've, I've made a piece that um, I used one of my father's infant outfits mm-hmm. in and he's 90 years old uh-huh. yeah <laughs> um, and that has made me think about what what was it like for him to be a yeah. baby yeah none of us remember that for but sure. there is body memory yeah yeah mm-hmm. well I love it all so much and I'm gonna put up links to sign up for your workshops and so people can follow you if they can't do the January one they can just kind of keep your stuff on their radar um, mm-hmm. because I think it's amazing and everyone should should do that. Oh, the the other type I have done is memorial. Oh commemorative yes, yes. Pieces because you do commission piece like people can come to you and say yes, this is what I want to embody in this mm-hmm. thing, right? Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you 
talk, I mean, I'm assuming there's some kind of discussion with that person. Like, how does that happen? Well, there's a way that I will uh, interview them, Mm -hmm. ask certain questions so that I understand what is it that they are trying to bring forth in Mm -hmm. this piece. Mm -hmm. Um, If a person wants to do it themselves, I can also be a guide Mm -hmm. for that. Very cool. Um, if they don't have the artistic training. Yeah. But the process of, of making these is very powerful. Yeah, I would imagine. So, Do um, they usually bring a starting piece? Yes. Okay. Yes. I've had, um, well, I've had one client who had some very random, strange items mm-hmm. from all four of his grandparents mm-hmm. who he doesn't remember any one of them Uh they died when he was quite young Mm -hmm. but he has these things and Mm -hmm. they were sitting in a drawer Mm -hmm. so he asked me to put them together and that was a real challenge because I had everything from um, earrings Mm -hmm. a pocket watch to false teeth Um, wow (laughs) and (laughs) so yeah um, but it ended up working yeah well and it gave him then a new relationship to these people that he never knew but they're his ancestors yes um i made a piece for someone whose father passed away 25 years ago Mm -hmm. and she just wanted um, to put together a piece that celebrated his life Mm -hmm. Um, he was a college football player Mm -hmm. owned an insurance company um, and she has uh, a ring that she wears whenever she flies. It's kind of good okay. luck for her. Uh-huh. It was a ring that her father had given her uh-huh. when she was young. So I ended up putting together a piece for her um, to celebrate her father. But I found an antique metal, small metal football mm-hmm. that opens up. Mm-hmm. It's a candy container from Germany. Interesting. (laughs) I opened it up and then we put the ring in there so that she can still take it out and wear it whenever she wants. I also lined the inside of that candy metal candy container Mm -hmm. with uh, the inside of a pocket of one of his cardigan sweaters. Oh my gosh, yes. And what was so profound to me was when I took that pocket out, there were cracker crumbs in it. And that just made it come alive for me. Yeah. And for her. Yeah. You can see that person. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. You get a whole vision. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I love it so much. Um, I typically ask the same questions of people at the end of each interview. So we're going to do that. Um, so the first one, they're in no particular order, just when I remember which ones they are. Um, if people are wanting to, um, create more connection in their life, um, cause I think a lot of people want that and don't really, they just don't know where to start. What are, is something that comes to mind that people will allow people to have more genuine connection? I would say that what has worked for me mm-hmm. is to become vulnerable. Yeah. I think that's the that's the only way to really make a connection with someone. Yep. So that you know, when you become vulnerable, you're allowing the other person yep. to do the same. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yes, absolutely. You kind of have to you have to go first. Mhm. Many, many times. Yes. Um are there types of people or types of spaces that make you feel most genuinely seen for who you are or heard for who you are? What do those people or spaces look like? Uh, I would say that I've got a few groups of people Mm -hmm. that I feel safe with. Mm -hmm. And as a survivor of childhood trauma, yeah. Uh, feeling safe is at the top of the list. Mm -hmm. You can't work deeply until you feel safe. Yeah. And I would say there's a few different um, places that do that for me. Mm -hmm. There's a 
community of people at Fountain Street Church. Mm -hmm. uh, there's also uh, a yoga group, mm -hmm. Embody GR, mm -hmm. that has done that for me. And I would also say I'm uh, becoming closer friends with more women artists. Yes. And I definitely feel safe with them. I, yeah. I do see a difference um, when I travel in a group of male artists sure than female artists yeah so it's not just the artists right right yes <laughs> yeah i love that and there's probably um, that could also be playing into my insecurities yeah <laughs> and having to constantly work on um on self-doubt yeah which i've gotten good at that now but yeah. um it's never gonna go away yeah if i acknowledge it then it doesn't grow. Yes. Yeah. You bring it out into the light. And I would imagine women artists have a particular, they, I mean, this is a gross generalization, but they're seekers, they're thinkers, they're deep thinker people. They have to, to create the, the, the work that they do. So yes, I can have a, yeah. a real conversation and not have ego become a part of yes. that. Yeah. I love it. So if people saw a list of your roles or just saw you across a room, so they're only seeing roles or titles or just like a physical representation of you, what's, what are they missing? Like what's between the, the roles and the titles? I would say that there's not much missing because yeah. I am an open book. Yeah. I'm not afraid. <laughs> I love it. Yes. I'm not afraid to say who I am. Yeah. To say what I've been through. And yeah. to say, I'm here with you. Yeah. I was just having this conversation. I think probably the only thing that I can think of yeah. is a strange little tidbit uh -huh. from <laughs> from junior high. Yeah. Uh, if you look at me, you'll see I'm a pretty short woman. Uh -huh. I'm five foot and a half inch. Uh-huh. <laughs> and at my junior high, I had the record for high jump. I love it. Yes. Yeah, they wouldn't get that. Mm -mm. No. 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 Mm -mm. Yeah, I was talking about this to in a group of people. We were talking about, like, you know, when you show up, do people make assumptions about you kind of in light of, like, race and people that have to deal with that on a constant basis? And I was like, you know, I think people get it right when they look at me. Like, I look like I am a mom, a social worker, a liberal-ish person. Like, I, yes. <laughs> there's nothing about me that says something other than what I am, which is a total privilege. I get that because I don't have to walk into That's a room and true. have people assume other things about me because I think I kind of right. like the, the physical matches <laughs> the inside. But, yeah, that's I will funny. tell you, my two girls at times, they think I am, you know, a weird artist <laughs> because yeah. I do use some unusual items and they don't like it when I use doll parts they say oh. that's really creepy see I think I just it's love it. it it's symbolic for yes me. yeah yes I love it yes and of course the like teenage preteen yes children are like oh my gosh mom could you please yeah, stop rolling. taking dolls apart <laughs> yes <laughs> I love that um, well, that kind of leads well into my last question, which is sometimes my absolute favorite one, which is, what are your favorite things? So, like, right now, things that are just lighting you up. Oh, the sunshine oh right now. <laughs> it just feels like a luxury in yes. our neck of the woods. Like, yes. once every three weeks, we yes. get a half an hour of sunshine. Mm -hmm. yes, yes, absolutely. I would also say that um, one of my favorite things right now, I have someone that shared a... Um, a veggie smoothie recipe with me. Love it. And I really like it. Yeah. Um, it's, I'll just give you the ingredients and you yeah. can play with it. Celery. Uh-huh. Cucumber. Uh-huh. Green apple. Uh-huh. Lemon juice. Ginger and kale. And it's really good. And it's like legit delicious. It is. Okay. I think the green apple yeah. helps with for sweetness, uh -huh. and the ginger gives it a little bit of warmth, which mm -hmm. you need in the winter, mm -hmm. because it, it can be cooling with those cucumbers and the celery, yeah. um, but it's really good. I love it. And then um, I would just say getting out into nature is, yeah. is um, what I'm really loving, too. 
Do you have a good way to get out into nature when it's snowy and freezing forever? I do. I take the dog out. Yes. Um, I found a really nice park um, near Lowell, or maybe okay. it's in Lowell, um, Peace Park. You know, I have heard of this. Oh, like I just I have fallen, times. fallen in love with Peace Park. And I need to go because it sounds, I mean, it sounds amazing. Peace Park. Who doesn't want to go to Peace Park? Right. <laughs> Um, thank you so much for doing this. Well, thank you for coming. I really, really appreciate it. And I have literally loved your art for a long, long time. And I know we knew each other and saw each other regularly years ago. And then that just kind of lives happened. Um, so I really, really appreciate this time to reconnect a little bit. And I want everyone and their mama to follow you and do your workshops and watch all the cool things you're doing. So thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. space the day we recorded I remember feeling so warm and safe and encouraged her space both physically and emotionally is so full of light and you can just tell she wants you to find your purpose and creativity and healing just like she has found hers Monica is someone who knows there is nuance in all of us each little piece she places into her artwork has had a life before and is adding to this new creation. Just like those little pieces, we have experiences in trauma and joys and failures that all create who we are now. I love that Monica is sharing her treasure with others through her workshops because she is clearly meant to teach and guide others. Remember to follow Monica at Little Shrines on Facebook and Instagram. Also, remember to pay your privilege forward with my recommendations from the introduction or by supporting another leader or teacher doing the work of Dr. King and so many others who have come before. I am continually reminded that taking the middle seat with openness and authenticity next to someone, no matter if that person is an activist or an artist, taking the middle seat teaches us about ourselves by just listening and finding the magic in the middle seat. I'll be back again soon. Until then, take that middle seat because I think we all know the world needs us to.